Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, Compassion. Our big idea for the day is you must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. We're going to spend time in Mark chapter 1. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Welcome to the first week of a brand new series called Compassion. This is going to be a three-week series that I believe has the ability to strengthen an area of our lives that is very close to the heart of Jesus. I want you to think about this for a moment. Outside of the gospel, which the gospel is the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and that is good news because of what it provides for us. Outside of the gospel itself, compassion has the ability to encourage people to look to Christ and consider his claims. Compassion can actually do that. And so here's what this is going to look like over the next three weeks. Today we're going to look at the word compassion and do a bit of a survey and see how and where it's used in Scripture. And then next week, we're actually going to do more than just talk about compassion. We're going to do compassionate things right here at Valley Point Church. I am so excited about next week. Before I tell you about some of those activities, I want to let you know that each and every week when I talk and when I chat with you, I do have a goal in mind. And that goal is life transformation. That's what I'm shooting for. In other words, I want the content or the word of God to capture hearts and change us. That's life transformation. And every time I deliver a talk, that is my goal. And what I do is I run that goal through the grid of three different questions to help shape it. Here are the three questions. What do I want people to know What do I want people to feel? And then what do I want people to do? So know, feel, and do, and these things work together to help accomplish the goal of life transformation or taking content from the Word of God, allowing it to capture our hearts and to change us. Now listen, listen to this. I never want our church to be a place where we just know a lot of facts and stats about God. I don't want that for us. Knowing is good, but knowing and doing is even better. And so we want to be known as a faith community that knows stuff about God, but we do do more than just gather information. We actually go out and we do compassionate kinds of things. And so next week, right here at Valley Point Church, we're going to do more than talk. We're actually going to pack 10,000 nutritious meals that will go out and feed the hungry around the world. And I can't wait for next week. I hope you can be here. We did this last year for the very first time. We partnered with an organization called Stop Hunger Now. And they have kind of perfected the assembly line of putting these different meals together. And so right in the cafeteria here at the middle school... We're going to put that together again, and you'll be able to come with your family, and we're going to have a wonderful time doing compassionate things with Stop Hunger Now. That's all going to start at about 1030. So if you come to the early service, we'd love for you to stick around just a little bit longer and help us assemble these meals. 
If you normally come at 11, we need you guys to get up a little bit earlier next week, all right? Do you think you can do that? Apparently not. All right. Well, hopefully 9.15 really nails it. But I think you guys will hopefully come a little bit early and help us pack those meals. It was a very energizing day, very memorable. Also part of that day, we're going to have a uh, special guest worship team with us called Willet. This is a group of brothers that write songs, and they were a part of this day last year as well. Some of you probably remember them, and they're going to help us think about compassionate things. We're also going to be interviewing the lead singer, Jeremy Willett. He recently adopted a child from Africa and is in the process of adopting yet another child, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about compassion around the world. So that's next week. I'm very excited about that, and I hope that you can be here as we, again, do more than just talk about compassion. We're actually going to do compassionate things right here and pack 10,000 meals for the hungry. And then in the third week of this series, I'm going to talk to you about what compassion practically looks like here at Valley Point Church. And we have a backyard focus or things that we do right here in the communities that surround us. And we also have a global focus. And I'll be sharing some different things with you and painting a vision of our future and where God is taking us in terms of compassionate work. Okay? Compassion. Let me start with a question. How would you define compassion? If somebody came to you and asked, how would you describe that? How would you define that? If somebody came to you and asked, what is compassion? Well, if you Googled the word, which is exactly what I did, you will find this definition. It's described this way. It's sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. That's the definition. It's sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Compassion looks like this. Sympathy, empathy, concern, kindness, and charity. Those are the words that we can throw at compassion. And they're great descriptions, aren't they? Sympathy, empathy, concern, kindness, and charity. Again, words that we can throw at compassion, and we would all agree with that. That makes sense for the most part, doesn't it? But here's the challenge, though. How often do we actually feel that way? I want us all to wrestle with this. How often do we actually feel sympathy and empathy and concern and kindness and charity for other people? And do we sometimes think we're doing compassionate work when we're really not? Or do we sometimes engage in compassionate work because it makes us feel better about ourselves? Here's the thing about compassion, though. It is never about me. Never. Scripture does give us some insight, and so I'd like to walk through some different verses here where we see this word displayed. The words compassion and compassionate are actually found all throughout Scripture. And as I was doing some different research, there are about five different Hebrew and Greek words that describe compassion or compassionate kinds of work. 
but they all have a very similar meaning, and that is mercy or pity for someone in great need. And so when you walk through Scripture, you see compassion and compassionate, those words used, but they always indicate mercy and pity. What's really interesting about the word compassion is it is actually a description of God himself. And when we think about the attributes of God, and what is he like, and how do we describe him to other people, one of the things we can say about God is he is a very compassionate God. And we love this about him. We do. Think about Psalm 103, verse 8. Here's what it says. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. In the same chapter, verse 13, it says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And then in Joel, chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and, say the word with me, compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. And that all sounds great, doesn't it? We love a compassionate God because we actually benefit from that. You know, go God, you keep being compassionate because this is good for me. I benefit from that. And so we normally applaud God being compassionate to us. That's a wonderful thing. But when you continue to research and survey scripture, you also find that we, as followers of Christ, are asked to be compassionate as well. Here's what we find in Psalm 112, verse 4. It says, light shines in the darkness for the godly. And then we get a description of the godly. So if you've ever wondered, what is a godly person like? What is a righteous person like? Well, here it is. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. That's the description we get of a godly person. And one of the things we find there is our word, compassionate. Once you think about Luke chapter 6 and verse 36, here we have the words of Jesus. And he is talking to a group of individuals, and here's what he says. You must be, say the word with me, compassionate. Like this is a really strong command here from Jesus as he talks to the crowd. You must be compassionate as your father is compassionate. Do you see that phrase, you must be? It is a challenge to the hearer to fulfill a particular task. It's not really an optional thing. So the idea of the language here is very strong. It is a challenge that Jesus is giving to other followers, that you must be this way. Here's the task that I want you to perform. Here's the task that I want you to fulfill with everything inside of you. You must be. This is not an option. You must be compassionate as your Father in heaven is compassionate. This is actually our big idea for today, and we're going to spend our time thinking about the words found here in Luke chapter 6. You must be compassionate. This is the challenge. Do this. Act this way just as your Father is compassionate. So there's a real sense 
where followers of Jesus are asked to do this. And it's not just something that is extended vertically. It is something that is supposed to go out horizontally to others. In other words, because of this, because of the compassion that we receive from God and that we get and the wonderful benefit that he is slow to anger and patient with us, he is compassionate. We now should be extending and giving that same kind of compassion to other people. Here's what I want to do. I want to take this a step further now because I think probably everybody in here is going to agree with that. This is really not controversial stuff that we're talking about when we say we need to be compassionate to the people around us. And most of us are saying, yeah, we get that. We know this is what God wants, and we can do that. We should do that. We're pretty good people. Yes, yes, yes. Let's be compassionate. We are that way. But I don't think we are. At least I don't think I am. (laughs) Have you ever been talking with one of your kids or someone that you're responsible for, and you see something that they're doing, and you know there's a better way, and there is something that can be done to adjust their behavior, and so you want to help with that, and so you sit down and you talk with them, hey, do this, because I think it will work out a lot better for you. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it, I see it. You don't have to say anything else at all. I know, I know, I got it. And then they walk away, And you're standing there and you kind of roll your eyes saying, they don't get it. That's a dead man walking right there. And I think this is how God sometimes views how we communicate our compassion. We say we get it and we're doing it and we're all good with that and we believe in that. But are we really being compassionate the kind of ways that God wants us to be? And so again, I want to dig into this a little bit further and think about biblical compassion and how all of us can engage in this because, as we've discovered, we must be compassionate, not an option. We've got to be compassionate as our Father is compassionate. And so, if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Mark chapter 1. This is the paragraph that we're going to unpack today. And we find Jesus interacting with people, and he's doing a great job of explaining compassion. You'll also see these words on the screen. So let me start with verse 35. It says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Later Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. And this is often what happened to Jesus. Everybody wanted him. Everybody wanted to talk to him. Everybody needed something from Jesus. Verse 38. But Jesus replied, We must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. And so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And then here's what happens. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Verse 41 says this, moved with, what's the word? Compassion. 
Jesus reached out and touched him. And this was probably the first touch that this man had received in years. He didn't touch lepers. But Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. So there's two things that are happening in Mark chapter 1. There's leprosy and then there's our word compassion. So let's talk about leprosy first. Leprosy was a terrible, infectious skin disease that caused people to become disfigured. It's very painful. And in time, with leprosy, their fingers would fall off, noses would fall off, and it was very painful, and it would lead to their death. It was a devastating, awful disease in this culture. And because it was infectious, you could not be around people with leprosy. And so what would happen in this culture is if you had leprosy, the first thing that would happen is if you were a Jewish person, you would be thrown out of the temple. And the man that we're talking about here is a Jewish man. And so he's already experienced this. He is declared unclean and cut off from his faith community. He can't be around them anymore. He can't be with them. He can't fellowship with them. He can't worship with them. And it's a devastating thing for an individual like this, just completely cut off. If that's not bad enough, people with leprosy were then thrown outside of the city because they could not be around people. And they were isolated and left on their own, or they could join a leprosy colony and be with other people suffering from this miserable, terrible disease. But they were completely on their own. It was a terrible, terrible disease. If you had leprosy, you lost your family, you lost your home, you lost your job, and you lost your hopes and your dreams. Life is over. It's a death sentence for you. A really dreaded disease. And so it's no wonder that this man comes to Jesus with fear and trembling. And our paragraph tells us that he gets on his knees and he begs to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me. And I don't think this man doubted the power of Jesus. I believe he was fully convinced that Jesus had all of the abilities to be able to heal him. I do think he doubted the willingness of Jesus to heal him, a leper. He's an outcast. He's isolated. He's on his own. No one helps. No one communicates. No one touches. You're on your own. And so he didn't doubt that Jesus could do this. He just assumed Jesus would not have time for a leper. Well, what we discover in the story is that moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him, and that's a very significant action right there, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And Jesus said, I am willing, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Do you see that word compassion there? We talked about leprosy a little bit, dreaded, terrible disease. Let's think about compassion now. Because what we discover here is that Jesus was moved with this word. I've shared this word with you before, but in the Greek, compassion is the word splanknizomai. It's a great word, isn't it? Splanknizomai. 
That's the word for compassion. And so what we read here is that Jesus was moved with splunk need so my. He was moved with compassion. And that word in the original language means to be moved in the inner parts. So deep inside, Jesus was moved and he had compassion. He had pity. By the way, the inner parts are defined as your heart, your liver, and your lungs. And so when Jesus was moved here, in the inside, in his heart, in his liver, and in his lungs, he had pity and compassion on this poor man who could not help himself. See, Jesus wasn't just moved. He was deeply moved, and he reached out his hand, and he actually touched the leper. That's how he healed him. I think that's a remarkable part of the story because you know that other people were watching this and they were saying, Jesus, don't don't touch him. Don't touch. No, he touched him. Jesus has the leper touch now. Jesus, you're not supposed to be doing that. You don't touch lepers. You can heal them by just speaking a word. You didn't have to touch the guy. But this is one of the things we love about Jesus, isn't it? Constantly doing the things that nobody else would do. Touching the untouchable, loving those who are marginalized and pushed to the fringes of society and culture. Those who were declared unclean, those who were thrown out of the city. Jesus is constantly reaching out to them. Jesus not only met the physical need with that touch and the leprosy being taken from him, But he understood the loneliness and the psychological pain that this man was dealing with. And with his touch, he dealt directly with that inner pain. And the compassion of Jesus was constantly moving him to do things that you are not supposed to do. Does our compassion do the same? I want us all to think about this. The compassion of Jesus constantly forced him to do things that nobody else would do and that you weren't even supposed to do. Does our compassion do the same? Or do we play it a bit too safe? I want to share some takeaways now that I think will help us assimilate the concept of splunk needs omai and being moved in our inner parts and having pity on people the way that Jesus would so that we can walk out of here thinking about ways that we really can be compassionate. So here's takeaway number one. To help us act like Jesus, slow down and look at people. We've got to slow down and look at people and see them the way that Jesus did. Seems like everybody's really busy these days, doesn't it? I have never talked to a person who has said, you know what, I have too much time on my hands and I am just looking for more responsibility. I need something to do. Like nobody says that. Everybody says, oh, I'm really, really busy. I got this to do and this to do and this week and I'm busy. And you see them seven days later and they're still really busy. And you see them a month later and they're still busy. And a year later, they're really busy. And I get it. We're all busy. 
I don't think any of us are as busy as what Jesus was when he was here. Keep in mind, he's saving the world. Remember, that is kind of a big task. He's really busy redeeming people and speaking and healing and casting out demons. Jesus was really busy, but yet somehow he created margin in his life so that he could look out and splunk needs oh my. Actually be moved on the inside so that he could act. And I think we all can do a better job of slowing the pace and looking at people and seeing real need. If we don't, we're going to continue to fly by and not notice the people that are around us who desperately need us to do something for them, to have an inner feeling of compassion for them. We'll always be too busy, always. So slow down and look at people the way that Jesus did. Secondly, fill your speech with compassion, not irritation. (laughs) Here's an anthropological observation. It seems that everyone is irritated now. You know what I mean? Everywhere you go, everybody is irritated about something. And that is reflected in their speech. A few weeks ago, I found myself being really irritated with the tires on my car. I had a tire that was blown out because of the winter and the potholes, which made me irritated about the pothole, which then I was irritated about the long winter. And then I found or discovered what it was going to cost to replace that tire, and that made me irritated. And then I had another tire in the process that needed to be replaced because it was damaged too. And then that made me irritated. And I found myself walking around being constantly irritated with tires. What's irritating you? Something's probably coming to mind, and what irritates us generally comes out in our conversations. It just does. What if we did this? What if we replaced irritation with the language of compassion? I think it would make a significant difference because no one is doing that. Nobody. Just listen. Everywhere you go, everybody is irritated all of the time. It's just true. So what if, what if there was a faith community that just said, we're going to be different. And yeah, we're irritated by life and by things and by problems and by issues, but we're not going to let irritation be part of our language. We're going to be filled with the words of compassion for other people. I think that would make a significant difference, not only in this community, but wherever God takes us, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever. I think it would make a big, big difference. So fill your speech with compassion, not irritation. Everybody's irritated. Let's be different. That leads to compassion. Thirdly, what compassionate act is waiting for you? Not for somebody else. Not for the person next to you. But what compassionate act is waiting for you that maybe only you can fulfill because you're in that office or you're in that school or you're in that home and God has specifically placed you there so you can be moved on the inside and have compassion for those people. It's not by accident you are where you are. God has placed you there. He wants you there so that you can fulfill compassionate acts. So what compassion activity is waiting just for you that only you can fulfill? 
And is there a person in your world that needs you to be moved on the inside for them? We probably don't have to go far to discover that. We often think that, though, don't we? Like, I'll go way over there. Like, those people need compassion. Way over there. They really need that. And I'll go and I'll do that, and that'll be wonderful. And that is compassion at work, but compassion begins at home, doesn't it? We don't have to go far. What compassionate act is waiting for you to fill? And who in your world needs you to be moved on the inside just for them? I want to talk to students in the room for just a moment. If you're in middle school or high school or college, I think you have an amazing ability to look for people who have real needs, people who are rejected and pushed out, who aren't in, who are neglected, who are strange perhaps. You have the ability, I think, to reach out and splunk needs omai. It's a tremendous opportunity for you to extend yourself and be moved for those who desperately need someone to do something for them in a compassionate kind of way. I want you to think about this. When compassion is received, it makes someone's life better. It just does. When we give compassion, when we speak compassion, it just makes someone's life better. And that might be for a day or a couple of hours or a week. When compassion is given or spoken, it makes someone's life better. Think about Jesus for a moment. A couple of different occasions where he fed thousands of people and he gave them bread and fish. And he didn't do that because those individuals deserved it. He did it because he felt sorry for them. And he knew they were hungry. And he wanted to make their life better. And Jesus knew he was placed in that moment so he could be moved on the inside. I want to share this from Matthew chapter 15. Jesus is talking with his disciples and here's what he says. I have, say the word with me, compassion. And that word compassion is splunk needs oh my. It's the same word used in Mark chapter 1. I am moved on the inside for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Here's Jesus doing compassionate work, trying to make people's lives better. And when we extend compassion, when we're moved on the inside and we speak compassion and we act that way, we're making people's lives better. So, big idea. Be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Not an option. This is a direct command that is meant to be fulfilled by those who are hearing it. And these are the words of our Savior. So let's do this. Let's be compassionate. Let's be moved on the inside and take pity. Let's slow down and see people the way that Jesus sees them. Let's make sure that our language is filled with compassion and not irritation. And let's ask the critical question, what compassionate act is waiting for me? I think if we do these things, we're going to be compassionate, just like our Father is. 
Father, we're so thankful for some time this morning to think about something that I believe is very close to your heart. God, one of the things we discover when you survey Scripture is that you are a compassionate God. It's one of your attributes. It's also one of the things that we absolutely love about you because we benefit from your compassion. And when you are patient with us, when you are slow to anger with us, we benefit from that. And we're so thankful that you are compassionate. But God, I don't always know if we act in compassionate ways. We're busy, we're irritated, and we often get consumed with what's in front of me. God, I pray that you just open our eyes today and help us to see that you have called us to do something special and unique. You have called us to be involved in the activity of compassion. And God, you've placed us in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, so that we can do that. We can act in that way. Because you have extended compassion to us, we can also give this out to other people. So God, I pray that you just start in me. Would you do that? Would you help me to be a more compassionate person? God, I pray that over every single person in this room as well. I pray that they would just walk out of here inspired and challenged to slow the pace, create some margin, and see people the way that you did so that we can be moved on the inside and take pity. God, some of us are really good at this comes natural to our personality. For others, this is going to be a big stretch. God, wherever we fall in that thinking, you've commanded us to do this, whether we're good at it or not. So God, would you just give Valley Point a great week of being compassionate? May we be known as the faith community that doesn't walk around irritated, but that walks around doing compassionate kinds of things. God, as we move through this series, as we pack 10,000 meals next week, and then as we come back on week three to just think about our global focus and our backyard focus and what that means for each and every one of us here at Valley Point again, may we be prepared and moved to do the kinds of things that you want us to do. God, grow us all. Again, this is so close to your heart. It's so close. So God, I pray that it would be close to our hearts as well. Bless us and help us to be compassionate. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.